two, mic check, one, two, one, two, mic check, one, two, one, two, mic check, one, two, one, two. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we back. Back for another episode. Let's go. You always wearing them glasses. You don't want to let no sucker look you in your eyes, huh? Taste to consider podcast. You love what you do with a past. Ooh, that shit attracts. I fuck with you, girl. All he wanna do is gas yes, How we end up in the backseat Trying to get to the podcast. Let's go page, You the same way Only keep the fam around me So let me know what it's gonna be I don't plan on getting no sleep While we doing nothing Moving too fast Candy paint with the windows all black Seats creme brulee Say stickin' to the podcast Let's go We up till six in the morning When the sunrise will be on it Ooh, I got five, you know it's so live Tell me when to go, baby, when we gon' slide Say stickin' to the podcast, let's go hey, hey. Up all night, baby, when we gon' slide Oh Sick and sit a podcast. I don't care if we on a run. Nothing matters when we one on one. Looking at us cause we going dumb. We on the same way, feel the same way. You know I'll be down if it's with you. Where we going, baby? What's the move? We should take a trip up to the moon. Get a room. Doing nothing, moving too fast. Candy paint with the windows all black. Seats creme brulee. What they gon' say? With the top down, screaming money, anything We up till six in the morning When the sunrise, will be on it Ooh, I got five, you know it's so live Tell me when to go, baby, when we gon' slide Baby, when we gon' slide Say sick and sit a podcast Up all night, baby, when we gon' slide Hey, up all night, baby, when we gon' slide Oh, up all night, baby, when we gon' slide Let's go I need a vacation. I need my bitch in the apron. Booty all out cooking bacon. Orange juice and ace, so we drinking. I only come out when the stars out. I'm on a mission, but we far out. The city talking with a large mouth. Yeah, they after the boy like fall out. Four Drop it, give me fifty, girl. Drop it, Say give me Say six to the podcast. Let's go. Tripping when you miss me. You gon' hold me close and on your neck gon' be a hickey. I ain't gotta do too much, I know what get you sticky I ain't gotta know astrology, I know your vibe Skip the foreplay, you don't let niggas fuck with your mind I ain't giving out apologies when I'm behind Fucking up the seats of the brand new ride Moving too fast, candy paint with the windows all black seats, creme brulee. What they say, sick and sit up, podcast. Let's go. I'm about to switch it up on y'all. Let's go. Say, sick and sit up, podcast. Let's go. Rest in peace, to young dog. Say, sick and sit up, podcast. Let's just say. Hold up, hold up, hold up.
hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We was down for so long, didn't have no choice but to go up, go up, pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up. Spending racks and demons on my girl, watching her grow up. Rich nigga still in the neighborhood, still eating coca. Street nigga, bitch, I'm in the pit. They doing something. Come on, somebody get millions, ain't nobody show us. From my young nigga, fifty balls, told him little nigga grow up. Uncle Vic told me stay down with this shit. Till it blow up Smoking on some shit You not got walk walk in my soda Used to sign for the packs Now I sign t-shirts and posters Drop 500 racks to drop the top On that new roaster Balenciaga the drip First class Dubai take a trip Spend a little bit stack all the chips I walk in my jail and go crazy Can't get money with me you too lazy One thing I ain't never did Was never ever ever let a bitch play me Hell nah Sorry I put it down in the city, now I'm up, nigga I used to eat a hundred bees just for lunch, nigga I got fuck niggas recruiting other fuck niggas Hustle hard, ain't no such thing as luck, nigga Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up Take seconds to the podcast, rest in peace to young dog I'm in the Bentley doing donuts yeah. Taught myself how to get millions Ain't nobody show us From my young nigga 50 balls Told him little nigga grow it's up dope. Hold up, 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 hold up I just pulled a eight of codeine and a Coca-Cola I make it look too easy I carry my whole hood on my shoulder Damn. If money not in the equation Please do not approach Swear us to God. Cut my day one nigga off because of jealousy Damn. Every day I'ma get fresh and pull up medicine Pull too much cert by mistake because I'm heavy hand Bitch, I'm the club, best friend, you just a middle man hey, fuck them niggas I don't fuck with them niggas, I'm cut from a different cloth Take yeah. to the podcast and your rap friends, why they hate dogs Rich nigga, how I pop it on pop it. The top come out, so I dropped it on them Paid 30k over sticker price, I had to cop it on them Hold up, 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 hold up. We was down Say for so long, didn't have no podcast. Rest in peace to Young Dolph We back for another episode Rest in peace to Young Dolph Rest in peace to all the young black males out there Ahmaud Arbery I mean, it's countless It's it's many of us I mean, it's just (laughs) It's ridiculous, man But, um yeah, rest in peace to Young Dolph. Rest in peace to all the young black males out there over the years, period. I mean, it's just a a, cons- a continuous cycle going on, man. It's crazy. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. We are back for another episode. It is Thanksgiving Eve. I'm recording later, also earlier than expected. It's Wednesday night. Thanksgiving Eve, well, Wednesday evening, Thanksgiving Eve. I didn't, excuse me, I didn't record the weekend that just passed. And I'm not going to be recording this weekend coming up. Um, Because I'm going out of town for my 40th birthday. I'm taking a solo trip out of town for my birthday. And the crazy shit, like, you know what I'm saying, crazy shit about where I'm going. I'm going to Nashville, Tennessee, and Memphis, Tennessee, where Young Dolph was killed. Crazy. 
crazy coincidence, you know, um, but uh, um, I was I was feeling kind of leery about the trip after <laughs> after all this happened and stuff. But, you know, um, all the signs pointed to me still needing to take this trip for myself, um, for my birthday, to celebrate myself. And, you know, just keep moving, keep moving. This is a, um, I've been, I've been out of the country several times before. I've been places before, <laughs> but this is the first time I'm taking a solo trip by myself. And, um, this is something that was, um, discussed with my therapist in the past and stuff like that. And this is, th this is one of the destinations that I had on my list. So, um, I've been putting money aside for it and stuff like that. So I've been going back and forth. Uh, I was going back and forth of whether I was going to still take the trip or not. But I kept getting signs to say, take the damn trip. So I'm taking the damn trip. <laughs> so it's Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve. I will be leaving the day after Thanksgiving, spending a few days down in Tennessee, Nashville, and Memphis. So, yeah, I am looking forward to that trip. Um Let's see. I got a show. This show, I, I already had it laid out. Um, if I decided if I was going to record the weekend that just passed, I had it already laid out and everything. And it's something that I talked about in past episodes when I was talking about um, the stigma and the humanity and stuff when it comes to black men and stuff like that. And I told y'all, you know what I'm saying? I talked about, you know, certain aspects and stuff with women, black women and stuff when it comes to black men and stuff like that. And I told y'all I was going to get on the black men, you know what I'm saying? Because like I always say, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be divisive and uh, cause division between black men and black women. I believe in, in playing your roles and I'm not talking about the traditional roles. I'm talking about your individual roles, whatever it is, when it comes to your relationship with with black men or black women, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and definitely accountability. You know what I'm saying? Never about division. It's all about accountability. So um, this episode will be more geared towards, you know, um, us black men and it's crazy with all this stuff that's happening with young Dolph being killed and stuff like that and the cup and a couple of other uh situations that was in the in the mainstream media when it comes to celebrities but I think that it has to do with all black men and and black women specifically black men because that's what the focus is um but I got an outline put together so we'll go through that y'all know how I do if you're a first time listener of the show Taste to Consider podcast is all about throwing around many different tastes. You know what I'm saying? Um, you don't have to like every taste, but it's just about considering the taste. You know, a taste to consider. I am the taste. Derek Silver, this podcast is a taste to consider. My views, my opinions and stuff like that. And like I always say, you know what I'm saying? Um... I encourage feedback on the podcast like that. I get a lot of feedback on certain topics and stuff like that. And I'm the type of person that I welcome the feedback because I'm I love learning. I love learning. That's how I've been since the time I was a little kid. I love learning. 
I love history and all that other stuff. I just love learning. So I love hearing people's perspectives and their opinions on certain things like that. So I'm always open-minded to learning and hearing different things from people. So it's never a thing that, you know, the stuff that I talk about on this podcast is set in stone and I'm being um, stubborn and pig-headed and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm totally open to conversation. I'm never open to debate. I'm not open to debate because I don't I don't I don't see no reason to debate with somebody <laughs> when you're not going to get nothing out of it. You know, so I'd rather have a conversation with you, a healthy conversation. Debating is just a waste of time to me. And y'all know how I hate using that term, but I just feel like debating is just a ego trip for people. So I'm not into debating, I'm into having conversations. So this podcast is about me having a conversation with the listeners as well as myself. You know, a lot of times, a lot of the things that I talk about, I'm having those conversations with myself in my head and when I write and all that other stuff, you know. So we're going to get to these uh, topics here. Um Y'all know how I do, you know, I pregame before the podcast and sometimes I pregame a little too much and I got to take bathroom breaks. So this is about to be a bathroom break. So one second <laughs> and I'm back. Um, Yeah. So um, back to the episode. Uh, Let me see where I'm at. <sighs> Man. I was pre-gaming, man, and I thought it was about to be another too, too lit, too fast episode. What? <laughs> Damn, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that was the name of the episode, too lit, too fast. But um, yeah. So let me get into the outline. But, uh, yeah, like I was saying, um, I'm recording this episode a little later than expected because I knew I was going out of town. So just trying to give a good amount of time for, you know, the separation of the episodes. So, what I'm drinking tonight, uh, I'm drinking some, um, I, I literally cleared out my whole bar in the tasting room. Rip's tasting room, the bar is completely gone. And I did that on purpose because I knew that I was going to Tennessee and I already got my uh, distillery visits um, planned out. I'm going to the uh, Uncle Nearest Distillery as well as the Jack Daniels Distillery. So I will be coming back with a few bottles to restock my bar. So right now, the only thing that I have in my bar is some Jameson Irish whiskey. So what I was what I was pre-gaming with was the Jameson Irish um, whiskey. And I had some uh, Jameson with ginger ale and some lime juice. And that combination, that's a real good combination right there. So 
I'm on my uh, I pre-gamed a little bit, pre-gamed two glasses, and right now I'm on my third glass for the show. But I'm not smoking nothing tonight because I got a, a, a couple of cigars that I'm saving to take on the trip with me. And just a reminder that it is Men's Health Month. Men's Health Month. So it's all, it's just, uh, everything is just lining up with uh, this month and with me coming back recording. This is the third episode from when I took my break from podcasting, listening to podcasts, my social media break, all of that. All of that had to do with the Mercury retrograde as well as, you know, shit that was going on um, in my life where I felt that I needed to take a little breather. So this is the third episode back from my little break. And one of the things that I want to remind everybody, um, I've been reminding people about this since I started the podcast um, around the same time of the year is seasonal affective disorder, which is also known as seasonal depression. And during the fall and winter times, that's when a lot of people suffer from seasonal affective disorder slash seasonal depression. You know, um, the days are shorter, so it's less sunlight and the nights are longer. So typically people, you know, uh, deal with uh, depression during this time, depression, anxiety, you know, um, Particularly also that has to do with that is the holidays, you know, um, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Um, we talked about young Dolph. I mean, his family is going to have to spend this holiday without him, his kids, his wife. Um, I recently had a, a passing in my family um, uh, last week. And, you know, another person that has to be spent the holidays without so you know just keep that in mind you know so a lot of people out here that's really suffering around this time during the fall the winter time and the holidays so just keep that in mind you know keep people in your prayers you know if a person comes to your mind you know just send them a quick text message a quick call or something like that you know just to check in on them you know check in on your family and friends during this time um you know, because there's people out there that's suffering that might not know how to communicate that, express that. And some people that just afraid to to do that, feel like they're a burden and stuff like that. So, you know, um, check on your your folks, you know. Um, let me do a recap, a little recap of last show, uh, last show titled Still Going Direct. Um there's a couple of things that I want to recap uh, just based off of me going going back and listening to the podcast and just wanted to uh, just go into some things further. So um, last episode, I talked about, you know, the God talk, your relationship with God and stuff like that. And I guess it's a couple of things that I want to um, emphasize is that, you know, um, just how we don't take into account how our relationship with God is. Um, is dictated based off of our relationship with our parents or whoever our guardians or caregivers were. And I talked about how, um, you know, those relationships with our parents and those caregivers and stuff like that 
basically sets the foundation for our relationship with God and how, you know, if we experience certain things with our parents or guardians and stuff like that, uh, whether this was um, some type of trauma, some some issues where you lose trust or lose faith in, in those parents or guardians and stuff like that, you'll, you know, um, project that onto your relationship with God. And um, one of the things that I failed to mention was like, you know, even if you feel that you have a relationship with God and you, whether you're doing your praying or not or whatever, however you commune with God or whatever, one of the things that I thought about just based off of my experiences is, you know, like um, just how some of the things that I've, I've gone through with my parents and stuff like that. And I, at times I would look at God the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have faith in him. I wouldn't have trust in him. And even at times I wouldn't even communicate with God. I, you know, I would just, it would, it would be certain stretches of my life where I didn't communicate with God or I didn't even acknowledge God. And it wasn't even a thing on purpose. It was just based off of how I was used to interacting with my parents. You know, my parents, I talked about it plenty of times before that, you know, my parents um, at times weren't emotionally present for me and stuff like that. And, you know, what I'm saying we didn't have we didn't have a lot of communication in our household and stuff like that. And that still trickles down to this day, you know, where um, me and my brother's relationship isn't as close as it sh- it probably should be because of based off how we seen our parents interact and stuff like that. And that kind of trickles down or trickles up if you want to be technical to God, you know what I'm saying? You know, like you so used to going about your life and going about your days, your weeks, your months and your years without having a closeness with your, with your parents or your immediate family that it trickles down or trickles up to your relationship with God where you don't communicate with God. You don't commune with him. You don't speak with him. You don't thank him and stuff like that. So that's pretty much, you know, one of the things that I felt that I needed to to uh, emphasize about um, how your relationship with your parents or your guardians or your immediate family dictates how your relationship is with God. Because um, you don't, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people will say that they're Christians and stuff like that, but they only specifically section their commune with God on Sundays, even if that, you know what I'm saying? If they go to church every Sunday, then yeah, they're communing with God. But if you're a person that don't even go to church, when are you actually communing with God? You know what I'm saying? God is there with you, but you aren't communicating with God. You aren't communic- communing with God. So that was just something that I wanted to emphasize about, you know, um, relationship with God and, you know, the last episode. Um, what else? One of the other things, because um, I talk about this a lot, well, I have talked about this a lot, self-love, and I've posted about this a lot on my uh, 
Instagram page, greatest.i.am.blog, as well as wrote about it on greatestiamblog.com. Excuse me, first burp. It's self-love. And um, I talked about it on the last podcast and stuff like that. Although self-love is very important. And one of the things that I talked about on the last podcast is that, you know, even though self-love is important, it's also important to receive and give love to people in your life. And I think, you know, one of the things with social media is, you know, they get on this cliche, this this cliche um, uh, narrative of certain things like you know, self-love is one of them and you know they talk about self-love 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 i even you know what i'm saying got caught up into it at one point but as a, you know i started you know just reflecting more doing the mercury retrograde and doing my reading and stuff like that self-love is important it definitely is important but it is it is also important to receive love and give love to, you know, the people in your life or the people that, you know, um, you have relationships with and stuff like that. Healthy relationships with. And it's like, I've talked about this before. I've written about this before. How a uh, majority of us don't really know how to receive love or give love. We don't. We Part of our, you know, part of our journey, if we are really focused on it and conscious of it, is learning how to love, learning how to love ourselves as as well as learning how to love others. But the thing is, you don't have to learn how to love yourself, you know, by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like they say, it takes a village. One of the cliche terms, but that's one of the terms that seems to be always true it takes a village for everything as as divided as we are in this country we should by now know that it takes a village to get through certain things and you know it takes a village to to learn how to love and you know what i'm saying to give love receive love it takes a village you know because going throughout our life we're going to have many relationships uh, romantic and platonic and those relationships supposed to teach us how to love and you know how to receive love and give love like i said last episode you know what i'm saying um if you're a christian you believe in the bible and stuff i ain't trying to get all religious but this is just a an example but um once god created adam he felt as though Adam shouldn't be alone. He should have Eve. You know, we need the presence of of other of a people to learn how to love. And it, it, it speaks a lot to, you know, how a lot of people perceive relationships, period, particularly romantic relationships. You know, um, a lot of people, they just get into relationships to to share love um well let me let me backtrack a lot of people enter relationships to get love or give love and that was one of the things i talked about last episode about over 
people overcompensating and stuff like that, doing things, people pleasing and stuff like that in order to to receive love, to prove themselves and stuff like that in order to get love. But in actuality, we supposed to be sharing love. We supposed to be sharing two individuals coming together to share love, not to get or to give love. You know what I'm saying? That that shouldn't be the sole focus to get love or to give love. It's supposed to be the main focus is supposed to be to share love, share love. So that was one of the things that, you know, I wanted to backtrack and recap from last episode about the about just the self-love talk. You know what I'm saying? Self-love is definitely important, but it doesn't take away from it doesn't it doesn't totally it doesn't totally fill you up when you have so many different relationships with people, your mom, your dad, family members, you know, platonic friendships, romantic relationships. You need love from other people, you know what I'm saying? That's how you that's how you learn. It, it picks you up at times and motivates you and all that other stuff. So you know, we can't just keep doing this, this keep pushing this narrative or keep running around with this cliche thing, self-love, this, self-love, that, you know what I'm saying? This is something that I had to learn as well. Um, because I got I got caught up into the narrative of the pushing the self-love is the best love and all that other stuff. It is, it is a it's, it's a good thing, but you also need love from other people. It's just a balance. It's a balance of everything. Life is about a balance. No matter what, life is about a balance. Yang and yang, all that that good <laughs> that good talk, you know what I'm saying? Masculine, feminine, feminine, all that. There needs to be a balance in life. I mean, every you got to think about it. Everything is about balance. Night and day, hot and cold. <laughs> you know, masculine and feminine, you know, everything is about balance. You got to find the balance in life. You got to you got to ride with the wave, ride with the wave and stay balanced. Like Bruce Lee says, be like water. <laughs> um, Where I'm at? Where I'm at? Yeah. So. Man, um. Back to the Young Dolph situation. Um, let me see, cause I had some uh, I had some points that I wrote down. I took some notes of. Um, of this whole situation. Um, let me see. This whole, just this whole situation, like, um, we've seen this situation before, like, classic example, one of the things that kept popping up in my mind, and, and as well, that I was seeing other people talking about with the Young Dolph situation was the Nipsey situation. It was almost the same situation, uh, another black man killing a black man in their hometown, they was minding their business, killed them. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like these situations 
every time these situations happen, whether it's a celebrity or not, whether, you know, um, wherever you are in this country and on this earth, when you when you uh as a black man and you see another black man killing a black man or a situation where the police is killing a black man or a white supremacist a white supremacist or whatever is killing a black man this is always a, a reminder of how our lives can just be taken away just like that with a snap of a finger I forgot what episode it was. Um, I think it was one of my early episodes in season one. And I was talking about how, you know, it's been plenty of times where I walked out this house and I've been concerned about, you know, um, if somebody that looks like me is going to kill me, if somebody, you know, if a police officer is going to kill me or some crazy white person is going to kill me. Like this is something that goes on in a lot of black men's mind. And I actually wrote about it uh, on my blog, greatestiamblog.com. I am a black man, part one, and I am a black man, part two. So you can check those out. They're, they are still relevant to this day, those two blog posts. And it's just crazy that, you know, um, our lives are just, like I was talking about, like black men, we are just, we are dehumanized like our humanity is like non-existent and just thinking about it from a from another aspect like like this system this whole system this is the system of white supremacy is set up for us to fight each other it's set up for us to fight each other and to take each other's energy like i talked about it on uh the episode still lynching like this is like this is just a repeat episode of the willie lynch syndrome where like black men have been conditioned to fight against each other we've been conditioned and programmed to be in competition with each other and even black women black women against black women black woman against black man black man against black woman black man against another black man we have been conditioned and programmed to be in competition to hate each other to fight against each other to argue with each other to just straight have division between each other this has been set up for centuries this ain't nothing new you know what i'm saying we have heard these stories before. We have seen these things before. This is not nothing new. But um Yeah, this this is just a this is just a sad situation. And um one of the things that just kept popping in my mind was is that, you know, black dudes us black men, we always talk about some we brothers, we brothers and all this other stuff. We down. And you always hear this thing like, you know, um, black women always arguing with each other and being catty and stuff like that. But not black dudes. You know what I'm saying? Black dudes, you know what I'm saying? It's not the same. It's not the same um, ferocity or the same energy when it comes to black men 
in groups together or friendships together and stuff like that. But when it, when women, black women come together, it's always some shit going on, some drama. But I mean, we get, we obviously see that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we obviously see it's a um, black dude, black us black guys. We talk we talk a good talk when it comes to being brothers and the bro code and all this other stuff like that. But it is a lot of individualism when it comes to black men. It is. And it's something that black men won't admit. I mean, it's a, the classic example of black men claiming that they brothers and we all cool and we ain't got the same drama as black women and stuff. But they but it's totally opposite It's straight individualism, ego, pride and all that stuff is in hip hop It's in rap in the rap community. Like I always and I'm always amazed how rappers would get on the same song together and talk about they the best or whatever and even just personal experiences that i've had because as much as guys want to claim that they ain't jealous of each other and all that other stuff they don't envy and all that's a goddamn lie like just straight off the bat of you being a, a human being and you you're going to have these emotions period all men are jealous or envious of another man at some point in their lives. It, if any guy says otherwise, they're straight up lie. I ain't. I'm not even saying they a liar. <laughs> they a damn lie. They 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 just a straight up lie. <laughs> you ain't a liar. You a damn lie. <laughs> because it's just human. You know what I'm saying? It's just being a human. And it, and that just. Last episode, I was talking about how, you know, black women and how they look at black men and stuff like that and don't give, you know, certain basic human needs to black men or or see that, that we need those basic human needs. Us black men are the same way when we're dealing with each other, like period, and even dealing with ourselves, because I'm not going to sit here and say that I've never been jealous of another man before, envious of another man. Because that would be a straight up fucking lie, but it, but I've, but I've heard and seen a lot of dudes say say the opposite of it, which is crazy to me. <laughs> and I just be, and that is the whole, that is the problem with us. You know what I'm saying? I talked about the last episode about how you know, black men, we we got our role in perpetuating this stigma and shit of black men having feelings emotions being vulnerable and stuff like that we play a role in this this just ain't no thing of a black woman just seeing us as less than human and stuff we do it to ourselves as well and that's where i'm coming from on this episode classic example of us always going out here killing each other you know what i'm saying it just is i mean it's the truth whether it's we've been programmed, whether we've been programmed to do it or not by the system of white supremacy, we still fall into the trap of doing it over and over again. And that's why I will always say, like, no matter what, with our community, people always talk about the reparations and, and money and all that other stuff. Yeah, 
We definitely deserve that and need that. But when it comes down to it, our biggest issue is our mental health. We are, we as a whole, as a community, we have a mental health problem. We have a mental health problem. Simple as that. And nobody can convince me otherwise. I know that for sure. We have underlying PTSD, underlying anxiety, and underlying depression based off of cycles, based off of what's been passed down from family members, based off of just what's sitting in our DNA. It's just there. <laughs> it's crazy, man, because it. I always, when I see certain guys and stuff talk about some things don't bother them and they big and bad and all this other stuff. I mean, I was there once. I I know this. I understand this. But I just be shaking my head because I be like, man, you suffering even more by going about your life like that as opposed to actually being vulnerable, telling your story, talking about the pains you're going through, getting the help that you need. But, yeah, this this Young Dolph situation is just another classic situation of a black man hating themselves, hating another black man, seeing themselves as less than, so they don't see the value in another black man. Our self-worth is, is just really, really low. Our self-worth, our self-value for ourselves as well as each other is very, very low. I talked about it plenty of times on my blog and on the podcast about how when I was young in my 20s and stuff and how I was so angry. I talked about this as in I Am A Black Man Part 1 and I Am A Black Man Part 2. How that anger was just basically the suppression of my depression, of my anxiety, my fears, my worries, the things that I was holding on to and stuff like that. And I was always getting into situations where I was about to fight another guy that looked like me. I was putting my friends, my loved ones uh, in danger because I was getting into these situations where I was about to fight and stuff like that. I was a hothead. I was a straight hothead. <clears throat> Let me see where I'm at. Cause I totally went away from the, <laughs> the outline. Um, let's get into the blackity black woke segment. Um, of course, we we heard the Cal Rittenhouse verdict. You know, um, he was found not guilty of murder. Um, well, I'm saying murder, <laughs> but um, he got off for self defense. I didn't really pay honestly I didn't really pay too much attention to the trial um um because I ain't going to say because he killed two white people he didn't kill black people just because I mean it just didn't hit it didn't I, I mean honestly it didn't hit not to say that I don't care about the lives of those two those people that got killed by him but it just didn't hit the same way that these other incidents hit over the years where a cop or some white supremacist 
killed a black man, you know. Um, but it did remind me of a, the, a situation back in the day um, with the, let me pull it up. Um, I want to get the names right. I want to get the names right. Uh, where is it? Um, it did remind me, you know, because he's being so celebrated within his community of white privilege and white supremacists. He just was sitting out there taking a, a picture with Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? More bullshit. More white supremacist bullshit. Donald Trump following that narrative, you know what I'm saying? But it reminded me of the murders of um the freedom riders back in the day the uh the mississippi civil rights workers um cheney goodman and and Schwer schwerner um it was back then it was known as the freedom summer murders um and it was just like a it reminded me of it because you know, though the people that Kyle Rittenhouse uh, murdered were out there protesting for the Black Lives Matter movement. And it was just an example to me that, you know what I'm saying, these people, these white supremacists, they'll kill anybody if you against them, if you're against their system, if, if it's against <laughs> if it got anything to do with a black person or the advancement of black people, they hate you. They're going to kill you. If you supporting black people, if you supporting the black movement, they're going to kill you. It's just as simple as that. And that was just a reminder of that situation to me. Um, but there's some interesting things about the Kyle Rittenhouse situation in the case and the murders that he committed was, you know, now with his court case, it pretty much sets a precedent for people to go out here and murder somebody and say it was self-defense. Because when it comes down to a Kyle Rittenhouse was out here being a vigilante, you know what I'm saying? Him and the the people that he was with, he claimed that he his life was his life was in danger or he felt threatened, so he shot these people and killed them. He killed two people and wounded another. So his case actually is a catch twenty two, is a double edged sword. It it emboldens other white supremacists, but as well it puts on record that you can go out here shoot somebody and say that my life was in danger. I did it out of self-defense. These are the rules of engagement now. <laughs> so these, these cases are always interesting because they always set new precedents. Um, but y'all man Biden though, you know what I'm saying? Once, once the verdict came down, he was like, he stands by the jury's decision. But then he later backtracked. This y'all boy, you know what I'm saying? This y'all boy. He later 
this this is what he let me get to what he quote what he says. He said, look, I stand by what the jury has concluded. The jury system works and we have we have to abide by it. That's what he said. That's y'all president. But then he later gave a, a more lengthy statement. And he says, while the verdict in Kenosha will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, myself included, we must acknowledge that the jury has spoken. I ran on a promise to bring Americans together because I believe that what unites us is far greater than what divides us. Excuse me. Burp number two. <sighs> I know that we're not get we're not going to heal our country's wounds overnight, but I remain steadfast in my commitment to do everything in my power to ensure that every American is treated equally with fairness and dignity under the law. I urge everyone to express their views peacefully, consistent with the rule of law. Violence and destruction of property have no place in our democracy. The White House and federal authorities have been in contact with Governor. Yeah, well, that that was pretty much his statement. So you see, he had to backtrack after he came out and first said that. I think he just forgot about what was going on. You know, he is what seventy-eight years old. Shit is crazy, but that's y'all president. And then what was crazy about the whole trial is the def- defense attorney. One of the defense attorneys of uh, the the three guys that uh, murdered um, Ahmad Arbery. We moving along to that case now because that verdict recently came out. I'm gonna get to that. But one of the interesting things <laughs> about that trial, which was crazy, one of the d- defense attorneys, she said she started talking about Ahmad Arbery's feet. She said. Ahmad Arbery was killed because he ran out out that house with khaki shorts on, no socks and long, dirty toenails. And this is this is the crazy shit. This is this is how white people look at at black people, like literally. And this is why I always have a concern or I have a watchful eye out for certain white people, because just like we've been programmed to look at race a certain way. White people have been programmed a certain way to look at race. And I feel as though that some white people, no matter what, no matter if they cool with black people and stuff like that, they already have it embedded in them to look at black people a certain way. So if if white people they they cool with black people they hanging out they work together you know what i'm saying they going to hang out going to the bar and stuff like that if if just that black person just just happened to get get turned up or get angry or something like that what's going to resonate in some of those white people's mind is that they need to be on guard they need to caution they need to be afraid because this black dude is turned up you know what i'm saying because that's something that's been taught to them. That's been something that's been embedded in them, in their, in their, in their group. Because even though we have a collective society, we all have individual societies, group communities. You know what I'm saying? In our communities, we all have those individual societies where we have these things that have been passed down on how to perceive each other. 
But the um the verdict for the Ahmad Arbery trial came out. The three gentlemen, um, the three murderers were convicted. So um yeah, I mean you hate to celebrate this situation because a black man had to die, but at the same time you did want some type of justice. It was interesting because a lot of black people would were just, you know what I'm saying, having a lot of issues with the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. I mean, like I already said, I didn't really pay attention to it too much. I I didn't really I wasn't concerned about it, honestly, because of wasn't a situation where he killed a black person. Granted, those those white people that he killed were in um we're supporting the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. So it's not that I don't care about the lives, but it's just, you know, this was a situation where it was white on white crime. White on white crime. I mean, it was. And that's never talked about enough. Why? And this is a classic example why, you know, when when we have these situations where a black person gets killed by a white person and then you have people coming out talking about, well, what about black on black crime? What about black on black crime? On, with black and black on black crime, the black person who usually commits the murder, not usually majority of the time, 99 percent of the time they get punished for it. But when you have these situations, classic example with this Kyle Rittenhouse case, classic example, when you have these white on white crimes, these white people don't get convicted a lot of the times. So that's why you don't hear a lot about it. That's why the numbers don't really stack up against black on black crime and stuff like that, because a lot of the times their white privilege gets them off. And honestly, we all know this. And this is what is crazy about this stuff. And this was about with everything. Like, we already know the answers to a lot of things, but we just choose to not believe it. Cognitive dissonance. (laughs) We know that. In black communities, white communities, Asian communities, Arab communities, that in in those separate communities, the majority of the crime that's done in those communities is by somebody that looks exactly like them. Same person. I mean, duh. (laughs) I mean, duh. Like, right? (laughs) Uh, Moving on. So, y'all girl, Miss Chucks and Pearls, was... (laughs) she held temporary presidential power while y'all president joe biden was getting the colonoscopy and what was interesting about this situation i talked about it on um last episode and the episode before that about the approval ratings of both biden and kamala harris and when they was discussing all these uh approval ratings and how low they were for biden but specifically for Kamala, her pr- approval ratings were at 28%. They were referring to her as African-American, right? So, soon as she held temporary presidential power, they all mainstream media was coming out talking about some Harris 
is the first woman and Asian American to hold presidential power. And this is something that I've talked about plenty of times, even before they were put into office, how Kamala Harris and the Democratic Party used used this narrative of her being African-American to their advantage to get her in the office. And it's just crazy how a lot of I saw so many people on Twitter, particularly black women celebrating this and i'm like y'all do know that she don't give a fuck about us (laughs) she don't she doesn't care about us really doesn't care about us and but you know what i'm saying the those sorority those sorority ties i mean (laughs) it is what it is man it is what it is it people just be so wrapped up into their emotions instead of the, the actual truth of things that it don't even matter who it's coming from, where it's coming from. They just be wrapped up into them emotions, man. So y'all know I gotta do it. Y'all know I gotta do it. Y'all know I gotta do it. Benefit black people? Well benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No. Because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole in the country. Let me rewind that for y'all so y'all can hear one more time. Miss Chucks and Pearls, y'all vice president. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No. Because whatever benefits... Yeah, so <laughs> y'all know y'all know I had to do it. Y'all know I had to do it. <laughs> um let's see where we are. I'm tired of talking about them. Uh, okay. Um The Justice Department provides one hundred and thirty nine million dollars to hire more than one thousand police officers. So see, every other community is getting something from this administration. But what are we getting? More police officers. The 94, I mean, yeah, the 94 crime bill that y'all President Biden implemented back in the day, he's still sticking to that. But, um, yeah. It don't matter what I say if you wrapped up into your emotions. <laughs> so y'all know I gotta y'all know doing the blackity black woke segment, I gotta hit the vax talk, the juice talk. So as I always do, uh, I gotta preface it. For the first time listeners, and for the people who just don't wanna hear from me. My mom, my dad. My brother, my sister-in-law, they all vaccinated. So it has nothing to do with me being against the vaccine or being against people getting the vaccine or anything like that. I'm for the truth against the lies. So I'm just pointing information out there. You know, a lot of my family and a lot of my family and friends, loved ones, 
have gotten the vaccine. So it has nothing to do with me trying to be right, trying to prove a point or anything like that. I'm just putting the information out there. So you do what with it what you will. My whole point is to allow people, which is mainly the government and the people who were just wrapped up into into these narratives that the the government and the media putting out there that allow people to make the decisions for themselves. That's all I care about. You can make whatever decision you want to make. So New York Post has an article out says companies turn to unvaccinated workers to fight labor shortage. We knew that was coming. Yes, we did. It was only a matter of time because people are standing up and fighting for their rights, their natural law. Their natural laws, not nothing to do with the Constitution, the government, amendments, anything. Their natural law as a fucking human being. Excuse the language. World Health Organization says fully vaccinated should wear masks and physically distance as COVID infections surge. This article was published today, I guess, in in anticipation for the Thanksgiving holiday. But once again, like I talked about on plenty of episodes before, we started out when this when the vaccine first came out, that it was 100 percent effective against the COVID-19 virus. Then it slowly started. You slowly started seeing the narrative started shrinking down and stuff like that. They changed the definition of vaccination. They changed the definition of fully vaccinated. And I mean, the truth is out there. It's just whether y'all care or not. I saw a tweet today that said people will, will take the time to research a hundred dollar coffee maker before they research the 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 vaccine <laughs> and that is damn true so i'm not laughing right now <laughs> no i'm kidding yeah so um u.s federal appeals court affirms hold on biden's vaccine mandate calls calls it quote staggering staggeringly overboard end quote It says uh, Biden's vaccine mandate, quote, raises serious constitutional concerns, end quote, and, quote, likely exceeds the federal government's authority, end quote. Damn. While I was reading that, I was thinking about sweet potato pie, man. I can't wait for some sweet potato pie tomorrow. Damn. Mm. All right. Back to the uh, Blackly Black Woke segment. Breaking. Pfizer says the Biden administration will buy 10 million COVID pills for five billion dollars. And what did I say? Not only is this in an agenda, this is also a money play. And like I said, people people was out here talking about some where the vaccine is free. Ain't nobody making no money and all this other stuff. Well, here you go. Proves my point right here. I wasn't trying to prove a point, but here you go. This is all the the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> I mean, damn, like the shit be like right in front of people's faces, but people just don't care. People just want to turn up, worship celebrities, uh, be on social media all day and shit. They just follow us. 
Under the terms of the agreement, the U.S. government will acquire 10 million treatment courses to be delivered by Pfizer beginning later this year and concluding in 2022. Pfizer will receive $5.29 billion from the U.S. government pending and contingent upon regulatory authorization. Pricing for Paxlovid is based on the principles of advanced commitment, volume, equity, and affordability. The price being paid by the U.S. government is reflective of the high committed volume of treatment courses being purchased through 2022. The company has also entered into advanced purchase agreements with several other countries and has initiated bilateral outreach to approximately 100 countries around the world. So if they just making five point two nine billion dollars from the United States. So how much you think they're going to make from the other countries? This is a money play. This ain't got this is similar situations that we've seen with every every presidential administration has had their own agenda where they made money for their homeboys. Eight nations have suspended COVID-19 vaccines for younger age groups due to risk of heart inflammation. Meanwhile, the United States is is pushing these same vaccines for children as young as five. That was just approved. So what are the five? What are the eight nations? Taiwan suspends second Pfizer vaccine for 12 to 17 year olds. Iceland suspends Moderna for all ages. Sweden suspends Moderna for under 30. Finland suspends Moderna for under 30. Denmark suspends Moderna for under 18. Norway suspends Moderna for under 18. France suspends Moderna for under 30. Germany suspends Moderna for under 30. Just then. Bangladesh, this was uh, November 20th, Bangladesh reports zero COVID deaths for the first time since March 2020. Just 21% of the population is fully vaccinated. Let me read this again. Just 21% of the population is fully vaccinated. Moving on. COVID-19 cases in U.S. children are up 32% from two weeks ago, according to new numbers published by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Didn't didn't they just approve the COVID vaccines for children? Didn't they? And let me read this. This is from CNN. COVID-19 cases in U.S. children are up 32%. From two weeks ago. And this is dated November 22nd. FDA asked federal judge to grant it until the year 2076 to fully release Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine data. Let me read this headline again. FDA asks federal judge to grant it until the year 2076 to fully release Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine data. 55 years from now. 
The FDA asked a federal judge to make the public wait until the year 2076 to, the, to disclose all of the data and information it relied upon to license Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. That is not a typo. It wants 55 years to produce this information to the public. As explained in a prior article, the FDA repeatedly promised full trans quote, full transparency, end quote, with regards to COVID-19 vaccines, including reaffirming the FDA's commitment to transparency when licensing Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. This is a fucking money play, man. And there's people that collude in these federal organizations. Instead, two days ago, the FDA asked the federal judge to give it until 2076 to fully produce this information. The FDA asked the judge to let it produce the 329,000 plus pages of documents Pfizer provided to the FDA to license its vaccine at the rate of 500 pages per month, which means its production would not be completed earlier than 2076. The FDA's promise of transparency is, to put it mildly, a pile of illusions. It took the FDA precisely 108 days from when Pfizer started producing the records for licensure uh, on May 7, 2021, to when the FDA licensed the Pfizer vaccine. Man, that's what I'm saying, man. The truth is right there, man. I don't, I don't even have to be talking about this no more, but it's just all about people getting away from their emotions and their ego and their pride and seeing the shit that's right in front of their face. Moving on. Gilbertar, the most vaccinated region on earth, cancels Christmas celebrations amid COVID-19 spike. And it's a chart with this. They have the highest number of doses administered per 100 people. Bruh. All right, moving on. Um, yeah, I I ran across the across a tweet and I saved it. It says y'all protesting this this Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, but not these mandates. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, <laughs> oh man, that's the end of the blackity black woke segment. Uh, where am I at now? Um. Y'all know I got to keep it light after after the blackity black woke segment. So let's get into the uh, TV and movie reviews, TV and movie reviews. I had the uh, opportunity to watch the movie Red Notice on Netflix with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot, which is Wonder Woman. And the movie was trash. (laughs) The movie was trash in my opinion. And the crazy thing about it is I try to stay away from Ryan Reynolds movies as much as I can because the dude plays the same character every movie. He is the worst actor ever in my opinion. Like he has no fucking range at all. This dude plays the same person every movie. Like as much as people want to say Deadpool, the Deadpool movies are great. I think those movies are trash because it's the same dude in every damn movie. <laughs> and despite Ryan Reynolds being in Red Notice, the movie really was just awful. Like I don't like Netflix. They be they spending a lot of money on some of these movies and these movies 
have not lived up to the hype. And this movie is one of them. Red Notice, I I give it <laughs> no taste. <laughs> no taste. The movie was awful. <laughs> um, what else? Um, it's a new show out on Apple Apple TV called Foundation. I really enjoy that show. It's considered a sci-fi show, fantasy show. I enjoy I enjoy that show. It's called Foundation. I enjoy it because it has a lot of spiritual elements to it. it has a lot of philosophical elements to it. But it it really is a good show and I I really enjoy it. Um the first season has recently ended. Um I believe it was like 10 episodes, but I enjoyed that show on Apple TV Foundation. Really good show. Um Got some notable actors in it that um, you should know. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed it. If you're into sci-fi and fantasy, um, into spirituality and philosophy, you will enjoy the show. It's not really a lot of action to it. It's just a lot of um, it's it's a thinking show, so to speak. Um, it, it, it really delves into a lot of the things that goes on into the world today but in a futuristic aspect. Um, what else? The last thing that I checked out, I didn't finish it, but I started it, was the Will Smith Best Shape of My Life show on YouTube. And just watching the first episode, man, that the first episode was good. Um, the episode, the first episode kind of made me a little... Uh, emotional because I resonated with it a lot like just what he was talking about in that episode excuse me third burp of what he has gone through this year or since the pandemic is the same thing that I have gone through this year and since the pandemic and I feel like a lot of people will resonate with what he's talking about in this show and it's, it's very helpful. And um, I just I just watched the first episode. Like, I haven't gone into none of the other episodes. I, I said to myself I was going to get back into the show once I come back from my, um, from my vacation. And then I'll talk about it more on the podcast. But so far, the first episode is good. And that, that concludes the TV and... Uh, movie review so uh yeah if you want to check out red notice <laughs> you could check it out it's actually some people that really enjoy ryan reynolds which is confusing to me but hey everybody got their taste and that's and that's what this podcast is all about having your own taste and considering other people's taste and i took my time to watch the movie and i wasn't that wasn't my taste <laughs> but uh foundation and the will smith show on YouTube is is a winner so far. So let me get into more of Will Smith. So recently Will Smith releases uh his memoirs, his autobiography, right? And snippets have been coming out about the book. 
And you know, I talked about Will Smith on the last on the last two episodes with him and Jaden when she talked about the, their sex life on Red Table Talk. Take a sip. But this time we're going to just straight focus on Will Smith and his book. So Will Smith, um, let me pull up the article. Um, one of the excerpts in the book, one of the chapters or whatever was talking about. And he talked about this previously before on the breakfast breakfast club about, you know, uh, his jealousy of Tupac. And y'all know I'm a diehard Tupac fan. So it, the title of the article right here. It says Will Smith opens up about, quote, raging jealousy, end quote, of Tupac. Quote, I hated that I wasn't what he was, end quote. And this is what I was talking about earlier before, about how a lot of dudes act like they aren't jealous or envious of another man. And how that shit is just straight up lie. Like, it's to the point where I'll fight a nigga if they lie about that shit and try to step <laughs> I know that sound retarded. <laughs> that sound crazy. But nah, I'm just being funny. But nah, seriously. Like a lot a lot of dudes are not honest with themselves and they not honest with other people, whether it be another guy or women in their life or anything. They not honest about their jealousy, their envy, their they're not vulnerable with their with the people in their lives, just period. They're not even vulnerable with themselves. I mean, like I talked about before, it didn't take me going, it didn't take, it took me going to a, a black woman therapist and her to focus on my feelings and emotions for me to understand that it was more than just anger that I was feeling inside of me and like I told you that she gave me a paper with on it was two sides of this paper and it was positive emotions and feelings and negative emotions and feelings and when we would have our uh, sessions we would go through that at times she would ask me what I'm feeling and I would have to pick up that paper and actually look at these these terms these words, these feelings, these emotions, and figure out exactly what I was feeling in the moment. Because it just ain't no me being happy or me being angry. That just wasn't it. And that's what a lot of guys only think. you either happy or you're angry. But it's more to it than that. And like I said, a lot of guys aren't vulnerable with other people. And they aren't vulnerable and honest with themselves. They just aren't. And... It's crazy because, like, I've experienced this plenty of times before in the past, before I started going to therapy and stuff. When you when you have people in your space or you hear people being vulnerable and talking about their feelings and stuff like that, it makes you uncomfortable. And you start to project your uncomfortability onto that person, and it comes out in the form of anger and rage and stuff because you're uncomfortable. Because you're feeling something that you don't understand. You're feeling something that you can't process. You're feeling something that you can't express. You're feeling something that you can't figure out. 
And that's one of the greatest things that therapy has done for me. And that will be great for other guys to figure out feelings, feelings and emotions, how to be vulnerable, how to communicate those feelings, how to process those feelings and how to be comfortable with other people doing the same (laughs) because Will Smith came out and he talked about, like I say, he talked about it before on the on the uh, Breakfast Club, but he he went back into it in his book. So I'm gonna read a quote. It says, "Quote: Though they were never, though they were never intimate, their love for each other is legendary. They define ride or die." End quote. He writes in the book. Quote: In the beginning of our relationship, my mind was tortured by their connection. He was Pac, and I was me. End quote. He also talks about having a, quote, fearless passion that was intoxicating, a militant morality and a willingness to fight and die for what he believed was right, end quote. And that was Will Smith talking about Tupac. Will Smith continues, quote, Pac was like Harry, Smith's younger brother. He triggered the perception of myself as a coward. I hated that I wasn't what he was in the world. And I suffered a raging jealousy. I wanted Jada to look at me like that, end quote. He goes on to admit he felt a, quote, twisted kind of victory, end quote, when he spent more time with him, when she spent more time with him than Tupac. Quote, if she chose me over Tupac, there was no way I could be a coward, end quote. Will Smith says, quote, I have rarely felt more validated. I was in a room with Tupac on multiple occasions, but I never spoke to him. The way Jada loved Pac rendered me incapable of being friends with him. I was too immature, end quote. And I got to say, just hearing those quotes, I understand where Will Smith was coming from. It don't matter who the dude was. Like, I've been in situations before where I ain't, like, the dude really wasn't no threat to me or anything like that. But I felt some sort of threat. I was comparing myself to the guy. I compare myself to people that I don't even know just based off of social media and stuff. Sitting on Instagram, scrolling, looking at people's lives and stuff like that. Being in a relationship. Seeing your significant other liking the picture or something like that and then having a feeling of insecurity and stuff like that. Like, this is real. We we know women feel it because we, we hear them talk about it, but you got so many guys out here claiming that they don't feel these type of things, which is just bullshit. It is bullshit. And this is what I'm talking about with us playing a role in our own stigmas and in our own downfall of situations where we want to talk this stuff that you know we want space safe spaces we want to be in spaces where we can be vulnerable or we can have our feelings we're human too and stuff like that but then we perpetuate these stigmas of oh i'm hard oh fuck that that nigga ain't got nothing on me you know what i'm saying i make more money than him and all this other stuff oh that nigga can't beat me and then this stupid shit you know what i'm saying prideful egotistical shit 
crazy. We perpetuate a lot of this stuff. And the crazy thing about it is when when that little excerpt of the book came out, when Will Smith was talking about Pac and stuff like that, all you saw on social media was people clowning Will Smith, clowning him, clowning him for being vulnerable, clowning him for being comfortable and honest about his past feelings. Will Smith is like the most faint, one of the most famous, if not the most famous people in the world. <laughs> like when Will Smith first jumped on social media, like people started going crazy. One of the most successful people in the world when it comes to careers and materialistic stuff like that. And people was clowning him for being honest about his feelings this is the society we live in. And when it comes to our society, black society, we always on fucking joke time. We always on fucking joke time. We always find a way to joke about other people's problems. And this is what I talk about. This is when I say that we have a serious mental health issue. We will sit around all day, all day joking clowning somebody just in order to make ourselves feel better about ourselves we sitting around talking about a celebrity that is living his life being the most successful the most real the most authentic person that he can be and you got people sitting around this just doing nothing with their lives clowning him like seriously, this is the this is the world we live in. <laughs> and you only see our community doing it. Like literally, our community doing it. All we can, we will worship the same celebrities that we will try to put down. This is the classic example. This is classic example of Nipsey. Classic example of Dolph. Classic example of Tupac. Classic example of Biggie. Classic example of every black male who has been killed by another black male. Like I say... Being vulnerable will make a being vulnerable will make a lot of people uncomfortable. It just will. And a lot of times, like in the in the black community, when we deal with uncomfortability, what we do? We run to the jokes. It's about joke time. It's 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 about joke time. Jokes coming at the expense of other people's feelings, man. Seriously. Jokes coming at the expense of other people's feelings. We don't know what these people are going through. We don't, and it, I've seen this. I've seen this and I've dealt with this. And I've been involved in it. In friendship groups and stuff like that. Where I've talked about people. I've been gossiping. Where I've seen it. I've heard it. Just to make ourselves feel good, I guess, for the moment. That's why I say we we talk this brother brother stuff. This we brothers and we bros and stuff like that. But we talk 
about each other behind <laughs> our backs in front of each other joke time all that other stuff it's never it's more joke time and putting each other down and not really understanding or knowing what people are going through as opposed to uplifting each other and then this speaks to a larger point like even with with will smith's per- perception or his perspective on tupac and how other people looked at him and and how society is as a whole. It's it's like a larger example of how society is, particularly in our community. Will Smith is seen as the nice guy. Park is seen as the thug, the rebel, the you know, the 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 hard dude or whatever. Will Smith, like I say, he's he's truly free and comfortable with himself. He ain't got no no attachments to no drama, et cetera, and stuff like that. And people will project their feelings onto people like that because they don't know how to live a life of authenticity. They don't know how to live a free life. They don't know how to live a life of not caring about what other people think. Because they're still dealing with their insecurities and they don't know how to process them. They don't know how to process their feelings and stuff like that. They will project on onto to Will Smith and other situations like that or a nice guy or something like that. They will project their feelings and stuff or what they would do. In those those particular situations on Will Smith, you know what I'm saying? On to another person. Just because I'm living free, I'm living authentic. And I don't care what other people think. People will project stuff and be like, well, if I was in this situation, I wouldn't take that shit. And you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. I've been a part of it. I, I still do it to a degree because I still got healing to do. But the the problem is we don't we don't uplift. We don't congratulate people for healing, for being free, for living an authentic life and stuff like that. Because we still stuck in a rut and stuff like that. We want to keep people in the same position as us. We want to joke on them. We want to talk about them. We want to gossip about them. We want to put down their dreams and stuff like that. And like I said, it's always talked about how this is more of a woman thing. But dudes be doing it too. We just do it in a different way. No matter what. Like I like I like I've said plenty of times before. Guys have been taught to deal with things with being competitive and being angry. We compete with each other all the time. And we we try to use this 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 uh cliche term of healthy competition. That ain't no such thing as healthy competition. <laughs> it, it is not. I don't agree with that. Like I know some people are not gonna agree with me saying this, but I don't agree with that. There ain't no such thing of 
healthy competition. Like, it's not. Because when it comes down to it, you're trying to see who's better. You're trying to one-up each other. Either you're just having fun or not. Like, you're having fun or you compete. Like, pick and choose. You got to choose one. I got a uh I got a clip for y'all. Let me see. Let me pull this up. Um where is it at? Um here we go, here we go. Alright. Pull this clip up. Respect their vulnerability more than what they're actually saying in terms of why they're in this position. But let me start here. My first trophy I ever got, 1983. I'm eight years old, big dog. I know your age, so you weren't here. But this is my first trophy. And I mean, when I got that trophy, it was for everybody on our team. We just won the championship. We're at the banquet. We get this trophy, and it's a plaque. So it's crazy. You get a plaque, and then you're, like, getting this trophy. You're standing there in your little too big a suit, too baggy a suit, taking the little pictures. Your mom got the 110 old school camera or the Polaroid. And you sit down at the table and then you read it. I remember like yesterday reading this. This is what it says. Thanks for listening, persevering, learning fundamentals, and proving to all that you could endure life's eventualities. I'm eight years old, though. Always remember, winners never quit and quitters never win. The 1983 Inglewood Mohawks won it all. Thanks a million. We love you. Head coach Melvin Smith, senior and staff. That still hangs up in my house. Why? Because it really just tells us what we need to understand and expect from what life is going to give us in the game of life. Here's my thing with mental health. I need to know what are you doing to cause the injury, as you say, to your mental health, because that matters. Because I know in physical health, here are the steps. Let's respect them the same. As Acho said, let's do it. Ouch. What's wrong? Well, you know what? Something's wrong and it hurts right here. Okay. How did this happen? Is that how it goes down in the NFL when you go in there and say, ouch, what's wrong? Right here. How did this happen? We got to talk through this. Here's the thing what's happening, and it's happening too often, is that there's this protective layer when you say mental health, and we stop asking the questions. We stop digging into, how did you get to this place? One thing I've seen, and Snoop Dogg just talked about this, why he always goes around and thanks himself. He doesn't just always thank others. He's like, thank me. I woke up. I did all the work. He's like, there's this need for external validation. And if you listen to Calvin Ridley, he said part of his problem, if not most of his problem was staying up all night on social media, just reading how people were thinking about him and talking about him and feeling his game or not feeling his game. That's contributing to your own mental health injury, right? Mm -hmm. Just like in football, there are non-football related injuries and they will criticize you for those. They look down on you. If you come into the offseason or damn near miss time in the regular season because of what? Jet skiing. Oh, I went skiing. Motorcycle accident. It happened to a couple of my teammates. Oh, they ain't trying to hear that. You missed time. You messed up our situation because you did something that was outside the scope of what you should be doing that's best for you. Why not mental health in the same mm-hmm. But if you're doing things that's contributing to your own issues, we need to talk about that if we're really going to try to address and help mental health. Uh, so, okay, is there such thing as uh, physical weakness? Of course. 
Well, there's mental weakness as well. Mm-hmm. Now, see, here's the problem. People all of a sudden, you saying I'm mentally weak? Hell yeah, I'm saying you're mentally weak. It's okay. Like, they're physically weak people. Like, here's one example. Kevin Durant couldn't bench press his weight. He's physically weak, right? Didn't hurt his game. He overcame that. You can be mentally weak. Oh, my God, I, I, I can't stay off Twitter. And everyone thinks I'm hell and these absolutes. Hey, it doesn't have to infect your full game. Is this your mentally weak? Talk about this. Because in this world, there are no solutions, just trade-offs. Let's talk about the trade-off with mental health right now. Because it's getting so protected, this... Ms. Bama said there's no solution. (laughs) All right. There's more to the clip, but... Now, this is the the problem with... (laughs) This is the problem with with men period like this is this is what we've grown up with men period we've grown up with men just not caring about mental health we've grown this is the cycle that has been going on for years like mental health doesn't matter you suck it up you got to suck it up and he's sitting here trying to compare mental health and physical health as if they're the same thing they're totally two different things the only thing that is synonymous with those two is the health aspect. That doesn't mean just because they're both synonymous of health doesn't mean that you have to go about those the same way. I'm going to play the clip again, but I'm going to play the rest of the clip. But this is the problem with it. You try to compare physical and mental health. And they're just totally two different things. I know mental health has become real popular over the past few years and stuff like that. As far as being in the mainstream and on social media and stuff like that, which has also been a good thing and a bad thing. But a lot of people still see mental health as mental health and mental people suffering from mental illness as an excuse. Because they try to compare it to physical health. Oh, I bumped my knee. Can you still play in that? Are you injured or are you hurt? Layer of film that's just keeping everyone from really piercing through it and saying, what's wrong with you? You okay? I'm going to talk to Lane. I'm going to talk to Calvin like I love them, like I would my loved ones, like I did my own daughter. My own daughter for a second there started to get into this lane because she knew there was a support system out there. Oh, you going through this, you gotta do this and this and this. Oh, it's overwhelming, isn't it? And she started to internalize that. And me and her had a talk, one of them real talks. I said, let me tell you one thing. Don't add it up, baby. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, everything that you just listed, don't add it up. They're all individual. They're all interdependent. They connect in your mind, but don't add them all up because that will feel overwhelming, even though you have to handle all of these individually. Let me also say this. These cats today are having too many inputs. I told you this example before. It's the soundboard. When I used to DJ festivals and big, gigantic concerts, I got a soundboard at home right now. It's this big. I go to those concerts. It's bigger than a studio. And it's just input. All right, he's just talking about some bullshit right now. But one of the things that he's talking about social media and saying that, you know, he's trying to compare the mental health aspect of people dealing with social media and the physical aspect of when athletes have gone out there and gotten into 
acts, motorcycle accidents, car accidents, or if they football players and they was out there playing basketball and they injured themselves and, you know, they hurt them during the season and stuff like that. Those are totally two different things. Yes, you, we all, physical health has been the folk, has been a main focus throughout our lives for years. You actually had, we actually gone to school and had a class, what? Physical education. We never had no class that had to do with mental education or mental health. So we've learned it's always been a focus on physical health. Never no focus on mental health for whatever the agenda or the narrative is with the powers to be. I ain't going to go that far, but just speaking on it, what has been the focus throughout our lives? Physical health. Always. We had we had the uh, sex education class. We had a health class. We had physical education class. Those three classes that we've had throughout our childhood that we've gone through, none of them have dealt with mental health. So for him to say that people, oh, if if you know if you know social media is bothering you, then just get off social media. It is not that easy for the for the simple fact that you don't know what keeps bringing you back to social media. What's driving you to feel the things that you feel when you see certain things on social media? So it's all about the education. We have we've been programmed to know education when it comes to physical health but not mental health for input output 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 here's the problem you have to have a master's degree to know how to make that a perfect sound when it's that much these guys got too many things going on in them and coming to them and then all of a sudden want to complain about it when they don't want to do the work the master work to make sure that they're okay and having a pure harmonic sound my last point is this I look at everybody out there and I'm like, yo, we talking football. So let's stick in our vacuum. Football is built on Darwinism. And and everything he's saying isn't bad. He's actually making a couple of good points about actually knowing what's, you know, <coughs> excuse me. It's particularly the social media aspect, if the input and output or whatever. If you know that this is bothering you then you should try to figure out why it's bothering you. So he's not, I'm not condemning everything he's saying, but just the overall tone of what he's saying is, is bad. Survival of the fittest. I'm sorry. It's not arrival of the weakest. Like it's survival of the fittest. If you can't play football physically, get your ass out of here. If you can't play football mentally, Mm-hmm. Like that's where fo- you're talking to, but this whole new world where I can't even play, f- I can warm up, and now I can't play because I was on Twitter. Hey, that means you don't want to play football mm-hmm. instead of like one more step. See, he can in one instance say, "Oh yeah, if, if I know that I can't play physically or mentally, then I should get off the field." But then he's sitting there saying, "Because Twitter or Instagram or Facebook is the cause." then something is wrong with you that contradicts itself because when it comes down to it we always we always try we always look at the symptoms of things as the diagnosis of something there's 
comes first a diagnosis. And then you have the symptoms that follow that. People always want to look down on the symptoms of things without understanding the diagnosis of things. So if a person is depressed or it deals with anxiety, social anxiety, bipolarism, whatever it is, they have symptoms that follow that. So you can't just look at them um, being in a room and not socializing with everybody that's in that room and looking at them as though they're standoffish and stuff. I mean, this is a this is like a classic example of what I've dealt with. Like people will look at me and say, oh, I'm at a party or I'm at a function or whatever, and I'm not really socializing. So I'm standoffish or or I'm or I look mean or I look angry and stuff like that. Not understanding that I have a diagnosis of social anxiety and these are the symptoms. So people always jump to the symptoms, not understanding the diagnosis of things. And this is what happens all the time when it comes to men, particularly when you're growing up as a young boy. I told y'all I was a hothead, right? Told y'all I was a hothead. So. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, when I was around that age, um, I was just a kid, you know what I'm saying, fun loving, trying to have fun, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. So I got into it with um, a guy that was older than me. I, I I believe he was like two, three years older than me in the neighborhood. And I guess he got mad at something that I said or something, right? So we were standing there at the bus stop. And the bus stop for the elementary school and the middle school was in the same area in the neighborhood. So he felt the need to push me. He pushed me and then he punched me right after he pushed me. So I was in fifth grade at that time. So what was I? Um, I got a late birthday. So I was what, like 10 10 years old, I guess, 10, 11 years old, I don't know. And he was in middle school, so he was probably like 12 or 13. He pushed me and then punched me. So I ran down, I ran back to my uh, house, and my dad was still at home at the time. He didn't go to work yet. So my dad was out, uh, out front of the house, and he was starting his car. And I went down there and told him what happened. And then, and then, and at this time, like I said, I was fun. I was, you know what I'm saying? Just a kid. I was fun loving, just trying to have fun and stuff like that. So I wasn't all into fighting and stuff like that, but I, but I was in kind of a, a little sketchy area where I lived at. So I told him what happened and my dad, <laughs> he yelled at me. He was like, boy, go, go down there and punch him back. <laughs> so when he said that that like built a fire up inside of me you know what I'm saying I was scared I was scared that I was going to have to deal with my father as opposed to deal with him so I went back up there to fight him him being two three years older than me I was up there going up there to fight him because I didn't want to deal with my dad 
By the time I got up there, he was already gone. He got on the bus and I missed the bus for to go to my school. So then I went back down there, told my dad I missed the bus or whatever. And my dad was still kind of mad or whatever. He was mad that he had to, he was even mad that he had to take me to school or whatever, drop me off at school. So I remember getting out the car when he dropped me off. And um, I remember from that day on, I said to myself, I will never let another person bully me ever in my life. And from that day on, I was in fifth grade. I was 10, 11 years old, right? From that day on, that's when I became the hothead that I became. Nobody, I would, I never let nobody punk me, bully me ever again. I started bullying the bullies. From that day on, I started bullying the bullies. I was always getting into fights from fifth grade on up. I, nobody would mess with me. Never. <laughs> I just didn't let it happen. And I still kind of deal with it today with that, that, that mentality and that kind of fuel and that anger inside of me. And this is something that a lot of guys deal with. Like when you playing sports and stuff like that and you told to suck it up and to not cry and all that other stuff. Like we perpetuate this stigma. We perpetuate this, this mentality of not having any other emotion other than anger, not being vulnerable, not speaking up out how we feel and stuff like that. So as much as there's a role of the women to play in this stigma, we play just as much as the role, if not bigger in it as well. You know what I'm saying? This is what society has created for us. And particularly in the black community. And y'all, and like I said, when I talk about men and women, I'm usually talking about black men and black women because that's what I know. That's those are the experiences that I have. That's what I know. So this is something that is an issue. Like when guys are dealing with other guys, like is there's an underlying competition there. There's an underlying jealousy, underlying envy, and all that other stuff. Is is if you can't see it. You're you're lying to yourself like the way like particularly in the culture, the hip hop culture and stuff like that and stuff where you see guys trying to out jewelry each other, out clothe each other, out car each other, out woman each other. This is embedded in us. It's embedded in us. Where am I? Uh, where am I? Yeah, but just to reiterate, you know what I'm saying, mental health, the mental health of men is not taken seriously by men and women. And, the, you know, like the Will Smith situation is a perfect classic example of it. It's not. It's straight up not. You have one minute where women be saying, I, I wish he would be in tune with his feelings and stuff like that and all this other stuff. But then clown him or hold it against him if he's being vulnerable. And then with guys or whatever, guys can't even have safe spaces just even outside of their woman. The guys, you know, a lot of times 
guys be like, you know what I'm saying, their safe space is hanging out with the fellas or whatever, just doing nothing, just sitting around drinking, hanging or whatever, playing video games or whatever like that. But we be sitting there going through real things and got so much inside of us in our minds, things that we going through or whatever, but we don't even feel like we can be open and upfront with our with our boys because we feel like we're going to be clowned as well. <laughs> or we not going to be understood. Our pain is a joke. Our fears are not heard. Our love is taken for granted. Our protection is not respected. Like I like I said, our humanity is not taken seriously. Men are as human as women are. We are. Like I said, Will Smith, like the nice guy shit and the, the nice guy, the good guy and stuff, they aren't taken seriously because most of the time, nice guys, good guys or whatever, they're more, they they seem to be more in tune with their feelings and, you know, more vulnerable, even if they don't really necessarily understand their feelings or know how to process it or whatever they're more open with their feelings or whatever we celebrate the stupidity of of guys we celebrate the the um the nonsense or whatever the disrespect of guys and stuff like that (laughs) we celebrate that stuff and i ain't really want to talk about this on this podcast but i thought it was like a classic example was the baby the baby situation and him and his uh one of his one of his baby mothers um Danny Lee and how you know um we celebrate we celebrate shit like that when niggas act disrespectful and stuff to women act disrespectful to their to their children or whatever you know what I'm saying we celebrate shit like that we celebrate bammers disrespecting their women um calling out their women being foul and stuff like that we celebrate shit like that even women celebrate the shit they will go against a woman being treated badly just because the dude is popular you know what i'm saying this society is all fucking jacked up like particularly in the black community and and y'all can hate me if y'all want to but i'm just calling out the truth because when it comes down to it i want the betterment of the community but we worship too we worship celebrities too much. You can sit here and say you Christian, you Muslim, or whatever religion or spirituality you follow, but you worshiping false idols. You worshiping people who are who bleed the same as you. Like this shit is crazy. Like we celebrate ignorance. We celebrate disrespect. We celebrate turning up. We celebrate and worship. Like this is literally worship when you celebrate and worship turning up, celebrating worship, overworking yourself, celebrating worship, not resting, celebrating worship, getting money, celebrating worship, getting women, celebrating worship, getting cars and jewelry and stuff like that. Like we if you sit down, open up a dictionary, do your Googles, whatever it is. This is classic definition of celebrating and worshiping something. This is what we're doing. And I'm saying we because I'm involved in it too. You know what I'm saying? I'm not above it. 
But like I said, this is this is what we do. <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like just speaking like on the the baby situation, like people literally know this nigga is wrong for what he's doing. <laughs> But because he's popular and stuff like that, or maybe because you got an issue with Danny Lee because she, you know, um, was talking about dark skinned women and stuff like that, which I understand. I understand. But we were still pick and choose sides on, you know, based off of popularity and stuff like that or what we feel we can get out of other people like that. Discount, discounting the fact that a, a child is involved and stuff like that. And then it was crazy because even like with like the, the, the baby and Danny Lee situation, all these people was talking about um, having kids before you marry and stuff like that. And 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 it was weird to me because people was sitting there saying like, you know, marrying before marrying before you have children will solve a lot of problems and stuff like that. As if you ain't seen like people get married every day and be in those toxic ass relationships and still wind up putting the child in a effed up situation repeating have that child repeating cycles that you've done like marrying before children ain't gonna make shit better like we've seen we we notice like even having the conversation of back in the day of our grandmothers and all this other stuff and how we know that a lot of times they only got married because a kid was involved and stuff like that. But then you have these narratives of the the grandmother or the mother wasn't really happy or the, the, the father or the grandfather wasn't really happy. We know this. So it ain't even about getting married before you have children or and all that other stuff. It's about getting yourself right, getting your mental and emotional shit right before you start pushing relationships. Because a lot of this shit is codependency. A lot of this shit is clingy. A lot of this shit is people pleasing, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of this shit is people being stubborn. A lot of this pe- shit is people being prideful. A lot of this shit is people being egotistical. It just is. But people don't want to be honest with themselves because it's uncomfortable. People are afraid to grow. People are afraid to change. People are afraid to evolve. So they'll they'll revert back to the bullshit that they gone that they used to. I've seen plenty of people say they want to get married, have kids or whatever. It didn't work out the way that they want to. They don't take accountability for the roles that they play in things, but then revert back to the the partying and the clubbing and shit like that. Like, you're not even making sense to yourself. You're not even making sense to <laughs> what's going on in your life or what you claim to be, <laughs> what you claim you want. Like, You never going to heal or get what you say you want or believe you deserve if you keep trauma bonding with people or with mindsets or with thoughts, etc. 
And I'm speaking to this shit to myself too. Like, seriously. I'm not above none of this shit that goes on in this world. Nobody. Like, it's to the point where people sitting here, like, talking about some with Danny Lee about to have that bomb album and stuff like that. Same thing with the Summer Walker shit. And I've talked about it plenty of times before with Murray J. Blige. Like, people, they, we will gravitate toward negativity or drama shit as opposed to positivity and growing and stuff like that. Because we're afraid and we just want to revert back to what we used to. Like people really sitting here celebrating, oh yeah, she about to have the bomb album because she going through something. And and sitting here talking about some pain is the is the is the greatest um um motivation or the inspiration for artistry. <laughs> that is that is that is crazy to think that way. So you sitting here telling me that negativity is greater than positivity. So evil is better than good. <laughs> like, see what I'm saying? Like with the balance of life, people don't have we struggle with having a balance in our lives, man. We really do. But you know, people say all oh, babies are blessings and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It's not the baby's fault. I ain't talking about the baby. I'm talking about babies, children. It's not children's fault, you know, to be to be, you know, born into certain situations and stuff like that. You know, um, I don't know, man. It's all life is always a continuous um thing of growing evolving it's just about what you choose man like literally life is just about choices can't blame nobody else because we really do it's really based off of our choices you know what i'm saying i know everything ain't in our control but you know whatever it is you understand what i'm saying if you open but I'm about to end this episode right here. We've come to the conclusion of a taste to consider podcast. Yes, indeed. I had a clip that I wanted to finish off with. Um, Let me see if it's still here. But I want y'all to, you know, just send me traveling mercies as I go off on my trip. My, um trip for my birthday my 40th birthday solo i'm taking a solo trip first solo trip um yeah um let me see i got the clip let me see um where's the clip damn i think i lost the clip Lost the clip. Damn, because it was a good clip, too. All right, let me see. I'm going to give it one more look. See if I can find it. Damn, where the hell that? Oh, here. Yeah, here it go. Right here. I'm tripping. Here it go. Right here. I'm going to leave this episode off with a clip from Will Smith. 
for all those who want to clown him. But yeah, Will Smith, man, he's an inspiration to me. Um, his vulnerability, his living free and authentic. I mean, I think everybody should strive to to live that way. And like I said, his his uh, show, The Best Shape of My Life on Netflix. I mean, not on Netflix, shit. On YouTube, it should resonate with damn near everybody. But yeah, I'm going to finish it off right here. It's a Taste Sick and Sitter podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. Make sure you check out UAND underscore network on Instagram, all the podcasts that's on there. Greatest.i.am.blog, greatestiamblog.com. A Taste to Consider podcast on Instagram. Here we go. You can't punish people for mistakes. You know, it's like you have to forgive people. And a big part of that, you know, is forgiving yourself. We don't forgive ourselves for stuff and it makes it impossible for us to forgive other people. That last time with Daddy-O, I just learned what love is. Love is not punishing people and beating on them for what they did and hanging on to that trifling shit you know that they did to you and it's like getting out of being a victim you know and daddy-o and his death purified my heart in a way that i i love life like i love the opportunity to be better i love the opportunity to work with people to find their way and he helped me cultivate like an emotional invincibility to love and to be loved is really all there is and everything else needs to be set up to support that You know, when you see things and you read things in the press and you don't understand exactly what's going on, uh, just know that everybody in my life and everybody on my side and in my team and my wife and my ex and my children, what, what you're watching is an experiment in unconditional love. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver, and I'm out. Thank you. Oh, hey, like I said, it was my birthday. If y'all want to cash out me, dollar sign, RIP 81. There we go.